This morning we're going to be in John chapter 17. I'm actually going to, I'm, I'm going to focus today on the last, the third part of John chapter 17. This is Jesus's prayer. Um, I, I know you've heard this a lot if you've been coming to every service that we've done uh, recently, especially with Christmas Eve and everything. Um, but for the sake of those of you who, who aren't able to make it to every service, let me just do a quick recap. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross and the couple of chapters leading up to chapter 17, he was passing the baton of ministry on to his disciples. And so he gave them kind of his final instructions for what they were to do before he goes to the cross. And then he'll circle back around after his resurrection and follow up with them some more on that. But having given them his final instructions, he, he, he devotes some time to prayer. And his prayer uh, has three different focuses. And the first is for himself. The second is for his immediate disciples, those who were there hearing his words in person. And then third and finally, he prays for all believers everywhere. Though we're going to focus on that section, uh, starting in verse 20, I'm going to read uh, the whole chapter. I think it would be helpful for context. This wasn't my original plan, and so the words won't be on the screen behind me. But if you have a Bible, please look at John chapter 17 together with me. Let's listen to the word of God. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine, and I am glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost, except the son of destruction, so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Now I am coming to you. And I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world... I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And now our passage for today, starting in verse 20. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. 
May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, however I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known, so that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. Let's pray. Jesus, as you prepared to go to the cross... To make atonement for our sin. To pay a price that we owed. And as you prepared to to depart from the earth, entrusting to these 11 men and those who would join them the work of this ministry, the work of the gospel. And as as you prayed, asking that your Father and our Father would be with them and eventually that he would be with us in a way that we might be one. It's our prayer today that we would be one. One with you and one with each other. One in our mission. One in our purpose. Father, grant us oneness. And as you also prayed that they might continue, and that all of those who come after them might continue to receive revelation as you reveal yourself. That's exactly what we seek this morning. Jesus, would you reveal yourself to us? In, in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. To know him and to make him known. What does, what does Jesus desire for his disciples? Well, one way you could... You could summarize what really is the entire teaching of the New Testament. There's so much more to it than just a handful of words could possibly convey. But if you wanted to try to break it down to a simple statement, I think to know him and to make him known works pretty well. This is what Jesus wants for us. This is what he desires, that we know him. We'll see that reflected in this prayer. But not just to know him for ourselves, but that in knowing him, to make him known. If you have the handout in front of you, you might as well jump in and fill in some blanks here so that you can see where I'm going with this. The first thing on the handout, and this is kind of the main point of, of the message And then we'll break it down into some some practical helps. But the first point is this. Jesus prays for the world to know who he is through his followers. That's, that, that, if, 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 if you, if, hey, if you had a long weekend, you stayed up late, you're feeling a little bit tired, and you think this might be a good opportunity to take a nap, then just make sure you at least write that down. 
And then after that, do whatever you want to do. I won't call you out. Uh, I think there's a lot more to be gained here this morning. But if you need to sleep, if you need to rest, go for it. But just understand that this is where we're headed. Jesus prays for the world to know who he is through his followers. So maybe you do want to stay awake. Because if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, that means you have some work to do. You have a mission to complete. There, there is a danger in, in the, the culture of American Christianity that we've sort of boiled down the message of the gospel to Jesus wants me to know him and to have eternal life in him. And we stop there. Everything about that is completely true. He wants you to know him. He wants you to have eternal life in him. We, we saw that already. We've even looked at some, some of that and, 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 and talked about the application of that, the importance of the application of that to our personal lives to ensure that we know him. That's the most important thing that you will, you will do with your life is to come to know Jesus Christ and to receive his gift of eternal life so that you could be with him forever. But if we stop there... That's an incomplete gospel. He does want you to know him so that he can make himself known through you to the world. Now, please don't take that. I'm not, it sounds like he's using you in a negative way. That's not his only goal is that he make himself known through you. But if we stop with the first part, Jesus wants me to know him and to have eternal life. And, and then we make Christianity all about Jesus wants me to know him and to have eternal life. Therefore, this is all about me. And the church, the church becomes an avenue for consumption of Christian programs and Christian teaching that feeds into this idea that the gospel is all about me knowing Jesus and having eternal life in him. That's a dangerous direction to head into. We don't want to be a program consumption-driven church. We want to be, as one of our four core values states, a gospel-driven church. We exist to make him known. We exist to reveal him to this world. We exist because Jesus wants to make himself known through his followers. He says in verse 20, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me. How would you expect Jesus to finish that sentence? You expect Jesus to, so if you've bought into this, let's say, American cultural Christianity that, that says it's, it's all, church exists so that you can consume, so that you can enjoy your relationship with Jesus, uh, solely exists. I'm not saying that those things are wrong. If, if that's the case, then we expect Jesus to finish this sentence something like, but also for those who believe in me through the programs of the church, or those who believe in me through the words of a preacher, or those who believe in me from what, however you expect the gospel to be presented to a lost and dying world. 
Jesus says, I pray for those who will believe in me through their word, through the testimony of his followers. That's how he makes himself known, through the testimony of his followers, through your words, through your actions, through your deeds, through your life. Us collectively, but also you individually. He wants, he wants the world. Jesus is not trying to hide himself from anybody. The problem is, is that he has, he has limited his revelation to the work, works and, and deeds and words of his followers. Therefore, when the church is doing what the church is supposed to be doing, the revelation of Jesus is high. When the church fails to do what the church should be doing, the revelation of Jesus goes down. He wants the world to know who he is through his followers. Okay, if that's the case, and, and, and I'll con, con, continue to show you, hopefully, from this passage that is, if that's the case, then, then how has he equipped us for that? Well, I think that's what happens in this passage. He equips us for that task in two ways. The first is that he prays for his disciples to experience what I'm going to call oneness. That's the next thing on the handout. He equips us for that task in two ways. The first is through oneness. Oneness, I understand, is a strange word. Why don't I just say unity? Well, you, I, I don't have a problem with the word unity. My, my fear is, is that when we think of unity, we think of uniformity. We think that we're all the same. We think that we all hold the same convictions or believe the exact same things about everything, that we don't have disagreements with one another. That's, I don't think, the, the goal here. There can be diversity in the body of Christ, even, even regarding secondhand issues, convictions that we have about certain things that we read in Scripture. In fact, I think it, I, I think it might be healthy to have some diversity. Keeps us, keeps us pushing and growing and seeking to know more. Causes us to dig in and to want to understand each other when it's done well. And so I avoid the word unity. A lot of people say that Jesus' uh, words here, uh, they just summarize it with unity. No problem with that. I'm choosing to use oneness, though, because oneness, as, as we said, I think it was last Sunday when we were looking at Jesus' uh, prayer for those immediate believers, oneness helps me think about the source of that unity. Let me show you what I mean. Verse 21, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I've given them the glory that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The oneness that Jesus describes here is, is explained on a couple of levels. 
First of all, Jesus uses as his example his relationship with the Father. Now, when it comes, when it comes to the Trinity, when it comes to understanding the relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit, who have eternally existed as one God in, in three persons, that gets pretty tricky and pretty complicated real fast. But at the very least, I think we can understand that amongst the Trinity, there's this idea of oneness. There's this idea of, of, of one mission, one purpose, one divine will, even though there are distinctions in function and distinctions in role between the three members of the Trinity. They are not the same, and they don't do the same things. However, they have, <clears throat> they have oneness of will and oneness of mission. So in this particular passage, Jesus prays that, that we, all believers now, that's where he's at. He's praying for all believers throughout human history, that we might be one as he and the Father are one. So there's a relational oneness. He says that that, that that oneness will be experienced in a couple of ways. Verse 22, I've given them the glory that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Oneness comes, is experienced, let's say, oneness is experienced in that the Father has given to the Son glory. The Son has now shared that same glory with believers in Christ. And so the oneness that we experience is that we experience the glory that the Father and Son have shared. Okay, that's about as clear and as helpful as mud, right? <laughs> but that's what's in here. Then he says, and I am in them and you are in me so that they may be completely one. So one of the ways we experience oneness is that we share in the glory that Jesus has from the Father. Another way that we experience oneness is that we experience the life of Jesus in us in the same way that the Son experiences the life of the Father in him. What does that look like? Again, it's, it's not going to get any clearer here, <laughs> but it's important to, to know the things that Jesus speaks here. Then he goes on to say, this one might be a little more helpful, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So oneness includes we share in Jesus' glory, we experience intimate relationship, connection to him the same way that he experiences intimate relationship and connection to the Father. And then thirdly, oneness means that we are loved in the same way that Jesus is loved. How does Jesus equip us to make himself known to the world? He shares his glory with us. He comes and he lives in us in the same way that the life of the Father is in him, in the same way that they are connected on an existence, on a, on a life level. And he loves us the same way he is loved. That one might be the easiest to grasp, and it's not easy to grasp. But you are loved with the love that the Father has for the Son. Do you think, 
Do you think there's anyone who has ever loved another human being with a love that's parallel to the love that God the Father has for God the Son? I don't think so. I think the greatest, the greatest love stories of human history pale in comparison with the love that the Father has for the Son. And Jesus is saying here, that's how we're loved. That the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. You, you literally could not be more loved. Any time we're loved, there should be some sort of response to being loved. And if we're now being loved with the greatest love that we could possibly be loved with, then our response should be significant. If Jesus wants to make himself known to the world through us, and he has equipped us for that task by, maybe this isn't the best word, but let's, let's go with it and we'll tease it out if we have to. He's equipped us for that test by granting to us oneness, by, by, by gifting to us. It's not something we've earned. It's not something we've had to develop. It's not something we've worked for. It's something that has been gifted to us. He equips us for the task of making him known to the world by, by gifting us oneness. And that oneness is experienced in at least three ways. We are in, invited into the glory that Jesus has been given from the Father. We are relationally and spiritually now connected to the life that, that exists between the Trinity. And we are loved with the same love that the Father has loved the Son with. That's how he equips us. Okay. It... It would be easier for us to, to make a plan for revealing uh, Jesus to the world if he equipped us with uh, a budget um, and some like real practical things. Like he's, he's, and he has. I mean, he's given us a building. He has given us a budget. But those, those, those are like the minor things. Those are the secondary things. Because he could take all of that away. And in fact, throughout most of church history... The church has not had a significant budget or buildings or equipment and, and all of, you know, all of the things that we have and that we use today to attempt to make him known. These are the higher level things that we're talking about here. This oneness is far better to have the, to, to have the glory of Jesus, to have oneness with the Father, Son, and Spirit, and to be loved as Jesus is loved by the Father, those are the greater resources. It just so happens they're a little bit harder to, okay, what do we do with that? <laughs> how, how, do we, how do we turn that into practical actions? I know what to do with money. I know what to do with a building. What do I do with glory? Those are questions that are worth wrestling with. If you want to be an effective witness for Jesus, 
then it, it's going to have to flow out of your oneness with him. It's going to have to flow out of the fact that he has shared his glory with you, that he has brought you into this oneness relationship with he and the Father and the Spirit, and that you are loved as he is loved. That's one way that he equips us for this task. The second one is this. He equips us with revelation. You'll see that's the the next thing on the handout. How does Jesus equip his followers to make him known? He equips them with revelation. We're going to look at verses 24 through 26. Jesus said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them, and will continue to make it known, so that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. The so that's, in this passage are significant because Jesus says, let's do this so that, and let's, let's, let's make this happen so that if you go back to, and this won't be on the screen, you can just look there if you have the word open in front of you. If you go back to verse 21, when Jesus says, may they all be one as you father are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that, and the so, the so that is, is so that the world may believe you sent me, okay? So that oneness serves to accomplish the mission of revealing Jesus to the world. And then if you look at verse 23, I am in them and you are in me so that they may be completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have sent me. And so everything that Jesus is praying for the disciples in verses 21 through 23 ends with a, so that the world may know. That's what he wants to accomplish through this. And now when we get to to these verses, it ends with, so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. That's the end goal. But what is, what is, how does he equip us? He equips us with revelation. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory. Remember, glory, Jesus' glory is one of the, the aspects of oneness that he shares with us. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory. Have you ever experienced something that you just desperately wanted everyone else to experience? Of course you have, right? We, we, we do, th- this, is, this is, I think, one of the positives of social media. That whatever, I don't care, it doesn't matter. There are pros and cons and you can feel however you want about social media. I'm not trying to change any of that. But undoubtedly, one of the positives is that we can share aspects of our lives with the people that we care about that normally we wouldn't get to share those aspects of our lives with them. 
One of the negatives of social media is that we can share aspects of our lives with people. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a two-edged sword, I guess. But you've experienced that. You, you went to a movie or you ate something or you visited somewhere and you're like, man, I just wish everybody could see this. And you're like, oh, cool. I can put it on social media and I can help everyone see it and experience it. Uh, for me, one of those things that, that I always when I experience it, want everybody else to experience is going to the Waffle House. Anybody ever been to the Waffle House? Raise your hand if you've been to the Waffle House. Almost everybody in here, but probably two thirds, three quarters of you been to the Waffle House, right? Um, have you been to a real Waffle House, like down south Waffle House? That's a Waffle House experience. Recent I, uh, left last Monday. We went, and most of you know I have family down in Georgia, so we went and visited some family. And uh, that's one of our favorite stops. Reese is my, my 15-year-old daughter. One of our favorite stops is the Waffle House. We do it at least once anytime we go south. And uh, we went into a Waffle House on this trip that was like just everything you want a Waffle House visit to be. We walked in, and there's nobody, nobody there eating. And um, so we're like, are they open? You know, we pull the door, they're open. We go in and they welcome us and we sit down they take our order and I always get a ham and cheese omelet uh, with hash browns with cheese and Reese always gets the waffle and um, she takes our order and then she comes back a minute later. She goes, it's going to be a few more minutes. The cook's in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> like things that n- nobody would ever say at any other restaurant, right? And I was like, oh, this is great. So, um, but that's the way the Waffle House is supposed to be, right? And, and you want the cook to be in the bathroom when you walk in. That's what you expect there. And he comes out, he comes out and, and he starts working on our, our, our food. I'm trying not to overthink it, you know. And then somebody else comes in to eat. And I hear the other server uh, saying loud enough for the whole restaurant to hear, even though there's only a couple of us in there, so it doesn't matter. She's like, I just want to go home and take some medicine. I got this upper respiratory infection. And I'm like, what is happening in here? This is the most Waffle House thing that has ever happened. Oh, it was so good. So good. Tasted wonderful. Um, you know, sometimes you, you experience things, you just want everybody else to experience it. Jesus wants to make himself known through you. And one of the ways that he equips you for that task is by revealing himself. When he says, I want those you have given, given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. Jesus wants you to have this experience. That's why he created the world. Jesus, the, the, Father, Son, and Spirit were together in eternity past before the world existed, enjoying their glory. Enjoying the experience of their glory. And, and the plan that they came up with is we should create a race of creatures that we now know as humankind so that they could experience this too, so that they could experience and share in our glory. And so that's what Jesus is praying for. And then he says, 
after thinking, I, I want those, I want my followers to experience this glory, he immediately goes to righteous father, the world has not known you. Do you see the, 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 the dual track of Jesus' thinking here? Simultaneously, there are two desires running alongside of each other. He wants his followers to, to experience his glory, and he wants the world which has not known him to know him. And so he has devised a plan so that as we go through life experiencing his glory, experiencing relationship with Jesus Christ, this sampling perhaps the, the tip of the iceberg of what it's going to be like to be with him in eternity future. At the same time that we're experiencing that glory, he wants us to be making him known to the world. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, however, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. This is what he wants for us. He wants to continue to make himself known. How does Jesus make himself known? He makes himself known, not surprisingly, through his word through the revelation that has, has been revealing him for the last 2,000 years. He makes himself known through his word. Consider, consider a couple of passages. Let's look at 2 Timothy. These won't be on the screen. Uh, so you can, you can even just listen as I read. If you choose not to turn there, no big deal. 2 Timothy chapter 3, at least write down the reference. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 very familiar scripture says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What is one of, what is one of the functions, one of the purposes of scripture? It is equipping you for every good work. That's what we're talking about here in John 17. He is equipping us through revelation. Jesus, well, you're like, I don't know how to make Jesus known. I don't know how to reveal him to others. You need to be equipped. And being equipped is getting into the word. Being equipped is becoming, becoming skilled at, 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 at dissecting and understanding and processing and, and then eventually communicating the word of God. And that's its exact purpose. It's, it's inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is how we get equipped. This is, this is where we are trained, by getting into the Word. I'm going to drill down on that a little bit because here we are at the beginning of a year, and whatever, you know, how do you feel about New Year's resolutions and all of that? It doesn't matter too much to me where, where you stand on all of that. But without a doubt, the beginning of a year is a fantastic time to make a new commitment to being in the word, 
to getting equipped through the scriptures that Jesus has provided, his word, his truth. So make a plan. How are you going to grow in the word? How are you going to grow in knowing the truth? How are you going to grow in handling the word of truth so that you might make him known? Another familiar scripture that might be encouraging to you today is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. When we get into the word of God, which is living and effective, we, we are exposed. We, we, we see us as we truly are. We see him as he truly is. And then we are reconciled. We are reconciled to him through his word, the word of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so as we think about how we're going to make Jesus known to the world, I want to bring that down to a point of application with you today that is focused on get in the word in 2022. Be in the scriptures There are so many tools, there are so many ways to get into the Bible that no other Christians ever had access to. People have died for this book. People have longed, people today still long to have a copy of this book. Thousands of of people groups don't even have it translated into a language that they know. And you and I have an abundance of access to the scriptures. There's so many convenient, it's almost, maybe that's a problem. It's almost too convenient. But there are so many ways for us to get into the Bible. You can, you can use apps on your phone where they'll, the app will literally read the Bible to you while you go about doing something else. There, you, can, you can access dozens of English translations that are good translations and dozens more of English translations that maybe aren't as good. But we have, we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to access to God's word. And yet, so few of us are engaging with the word of God the way we should be. Well, none of us are engaging with the word of God the way we should be. But so few of us are taking advantage of this access to the word. Let 2022 begin with a commitment to being in God's word. He is making himself known through us. And he's equipped us in two ways, through oneness and through revelation. And he has promised, this is what he said, I made, known, I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Jesus has committed himself 
to continuing to reveal himself through his word. So you can have confidence that as you come to his word, the God and creator of the universe has vowed to make himself known. That doesn't mean every time you open the Bible, it's going to be this miraculous experience. It doesn't mean that there aren't, th- there aren't tools that you need to access and, and skills that you need to acquire in order to understand the word properly. I believe wholeheartedly in all of those things. It's a, somewhat of a, a complex book. There's a lot of things going on here. There's storylines that you don't immediately pick up on when you begin reading. There are different genres employed. There are different cultures that this was written with. You need to seek to understand those things in order to understand the word properly. But one thing that you can be assured of is that as you do that, Jesus himself has vowed to reveal himself through his word. He will reward that effort. He will make himself known to you and through you as you grow in him. To know him and to make him known. 